Steven Gerrard never managed to win the Premier League title with his beloved Liverpool. And as he faces them as a manager at Anfield, he takes on a side that's probably better equipped to win the league than any of the Reds teams he captained. But can Gerrard and Aston Villa derail Liverpool's title push? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. little known fact that at the end of every episode of this show Mark O'Hare thumps his chest and screams we go again uh, he's back with his best bets uh, for this weekend uh, Mark what do we make of Aston Villa since Gerard took over I thought he used set plays very cleverly against Leicester last weekend homing in on the fact that Leicester are quite frankly useless at defending at free kicks and corners and Villa do seem to be generally harder to play against. Yes, I think you can definitely notice the difference from a def- defensive perspective. Um, they've been a bit more physical, much more energetic and, and high pressing from the front for sure. Um, but I've probably, I mean, it, it can be considered a positive or a negative really, but Villa have made sort of slow starts in the last two games against City and Leicester. But what I've seen and I've been reasonably impressed by is his ability at halftime to almost tinker with things and change things around and produce a positive performance in the second period from his teams. We saw that against Man City uh, in spades, really. They were very, very good in that second half and and probably deserved another goal out of that game. But uh, against Leicester, as, as you say, you know, set-piece is definitely one of Villa's strengths. You look at the height of some of those defenders uh, and they exploited Leicester's inability to defend dead ball situations very, very well. So, you know, it's only a small game, a small sample, but certainly the system seems to suit those players a bit better. And going to Anfield this weekend, obviously a daunting task, but they'll be looking to utilise those set pieces those dead ball situations I do believe that's an area of potential weakness for Liverpool we saw West Ham causing plenty of problems being very physical and, and upfront about it and uh, also in transitions and, and counter-attacks you've got players there who can cause problems uh, there's pace out wide as well and we're starting to see Buendia getting sort of wedded into that team as well which is something we probably wanted to see a little bit earlier in the campaign under Dean Smith so yeah there's plenty to be positive about but um, still very early days but I think from a defensive perspective there's probably more positives about Villa right now. Odds compiler, tipster extraordinaire and celebrity Liverpool fan Mark Stinchcombe is in the starting lineup. Stinch, it's a great story seeing Gerard return to Anfield. What do you make of his chances of pulling off an upset? And you looked slightly disturbed then when I destru- described you as a celebrity Liverpool fan. <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, the odds uh, look fairly big to me, I would say. And I wouldn't maybe put it past the romantic victory. The 11-1 to 1 Villa are to, to win the game. Liverpool are 1-5. to 5. I think it just goes to show, you know, how good Liverpool have been on a regular basis since the beginning of the season, really. You could go back to the end of back end of last season, but I think they've gone up a, another gear. And obviously the return of the, the, the personnel... Obviously, it would be a romantic victory if Gerard was to land it. We've already seen Liverpool go to Everton and United and pretty much take out all the emotion and just race into very fast starts. Um, Mark's right. Don't want to read too much into Gerard's first four games. 
but he has made them, as you mentioned, harder to beat. So I think probably a difficult one to try and decipher any particular value. I mean, if you if you want to oppose Liverpool, I do think one to five maybe a tad short. You could back Villa plus two on the Asian handicap, around about one eighty five. So Liverpool would have to win by three for your bet to lose. So maybe that would be the the route to go down. But yeah, I imagine uh, another professional job from a Liverpool side that was able to rotate midweek. And as I say, it just got levels to, to go up in. And don't get me wrong, I think long-term Gerrard is going to do a very good job at Villa. I'm not being biased or anything. You only have to look at the odds that Rangers were were going af- going off at when he left compared to when he arrived to see that, uh, you know, the markets and the, the syndicates all took notice. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't because of a, a Celt- just because of a Celtic decline that Rangers were so good. You know, they were also very good in uh, Europe in uh, in making the knockouts in the Europa League. So, yeah, I would from from my side just a watch in brief and um, yeah, I wouldn't there wouldn't be anything I'd want to particularly get involved in. Mark, just very quickly, is this one of our back the favorites but under three and a half or something along those lines. If Villa are a bit, I mean, that's always dangerous, I know, against Salah and company, but if Villa are a little bit more hardy now under Gerard, is there any angle there? Um, do you know what? I, I thought of something different, to be honest. Um, I, I agree with Stinch. I think if, if you're being serious about this, I think the plus two Asian handicap is, is probably about fair. You don't want to be backing a team to win by three or more goals at kind of around even money, particularly when we think Villa are going to provide reasonable opposition here. You know, that's, a, that's a big handicap hurdle to overcome take so to to get that on your side is is quite a nice starting point but if you did want something bigger I thought Liverpool to win and both teams to score which kind of flies in the face of that at at sort of around uh, I think 2.7 or around that price I thought that's quite big actually because despite Liverpool's clean sheet records I'm still not being completely convinced they are the defensive beasts that they were during the title winning campaign and as I say I do think uh, Villa have got uh, players in forward areas who can cause problems particularly from dead ball situations uh, I just think that's a little bit too big you know I, I don't like backing win to nils as such uh, because it deflections penalties consolation goals they can all count we've seen it many times so I just thought it was a bit too big this is not I, I don't like to oppose goals in a game featuring Liverpool because look the likelihood is they win the game look at the price they're 1-5 to five, and the likelihood is they score at least two goals because they've done it in every game bar two across all competitions this season and we're in mid-December, which is just phenomenal, really. So uh, it's not really a game I want to sort of sit behind the sofa and cheer on unders in any sort of way. So it's just uh, purely from a casual fan, uh, I think it was a price you can kind of cheer on and enjoy the game if you wanted to. Now, I know the January transfer window isn't open yet, but we have made a new signing. Trader Emmett O'Keefe is with us for the first time. Emmett, great to have you on the show. Let's kick off with that Liverpool-Villa clash then. How do you see this one? Yeah, I'm... I- much like the lads, I've been I've I've been surprisingly kind of impressed by Jared so far. Just what on what Mark said about kind of the prices that Rangers started going off under his tenure, like they would have gone off favourites away to Benfica in the Europa League last season, and that might not sound like much to Premier League fans, but Benfica would have a budget which would enable them to sign the likes of Jan Vertonghen and Nicolas Otamendi, and I think like that that Gerard managed to kind of kind of kind of knit together a team of kind of championship level players with, with a couple of with a couple of exceptions to kind of get to that level really speak re, really speaks to how good a job he did at Rangers and just and he, and he, I think he had a huge impact on Villa already so far it's the, the performance that really caught my eye was the Man City game if you take out City's games this if you take out the the loss that City had to Crystal Palace this year when they were down to 10 men from early on nobody has given them as difficult a game or on the expected goals as Villa outside of Liverpool 
I think that the, the, the city have generally swatted away most opposition. And again, again, tiny sample size here, but Villa have only conceded four goals in, in Gerrard's first four league games. And if you compare that under Dean Smith, they were conceding nearly, nearly two goals a game. So yeah, early days, but it's, it's definitely a very positive start. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably maybe lean towards Villa plus two in the handicap here, but I, I think a probably possibly more interesting way to kind of get, to, to get with Villa, if you're looking to do kind of a long-term outright ACA, we have Villa around 11 to eight for to finish top 10. I think that's a I think that's a very solid bet. I think as well as we've seen from this Villa ownership group, they will invest serious money, and I I don't think Jared Jared would have came to Villa without the promise of significant investment. And even like more ambitious punters might have a look, they're fourteen to one for top six. I, I think yeah, like I I, I think there is a, there's a definite scenario where where Villa finish seventh or eighth and are pushing for top eight this season if if we see the kind of improvement that we've seen so far. And it does feel wide open, actually, beyond that kind of top four or five. It does feel like that's a good race. So worth bearing in mind, by the way, our fantastic multiples offers running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. To the capital, Len, and Arsenal beaten in dramatic fashion at Everton on Monday. Take on Southampton. Arsenal 1.68 to take the win with Saints 5.8. Mark, we're back here again, aren't we? Arsenal have lost three of the last four. Mikel Arteta has to make sure this isn't yet another false dawn because they've already lost six league games, got a negative goal difference. They still, to me, I know they can talk about Ramsdale's amazing, blah, blah, blah. They've got lots of good young players. They still seem miles away from where they want to be. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, I would probably say the same about 17 other clubs as well in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> be, uh, afraid from the top three as well. But uh, yeah, Arteta's been in charge for, for almost two years, I think, this month. And have they made significant progress? Probably not. Have they made progress? I'd say yes, but it's not been as, as quick or as seamless as they probably hoped it would be. Uh, I do think they are on the right track long term. And if they continue with that horrible word of the process, but embedding these young players who have huge potential uh, and start forming a, a system that works around them, then I do think they can be successful, but only relative to, to what they're you know, looking to achieve. I don't think they're going to be top four candidates anytime soon, but I do believe top six is well within their reach. And I think they should really finish in the top six. So I came into this in, into this round of fixtures and I looked at the price on Arsenal. I thought I have to get against that in some way or form. However, sort of doing more digging and sort of unpacking the match in detail, I actually want to be with Arsenal because this is this is their area of strength really at home against bottom half teams. Over the past five seasons, they've got a 74% win rate at the Emirates against bottom half teams in the Premier League. This season, they've won five, drawn one and lost zero at home against teams outside the top four. If you look at the odds uh, over the last five seasons when Arsenal have been at home um, and odds on, they've won 78% of those games. So really, really consistent and strong performances. And this season as well, you know, the, the negative goal difference is being spun quite a lot recently. And that's down to basically just some narrow wins against bottom half teams and getting blown away by the bigger teams. But actually, if you strip out all the games featuring Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea and run the data in terms of league tables, expected points, expected goals and everything in between, Arsenal come out top. They finally won a trophy in the league. Yes. (laughs) It's effectively saying, believe it or not, but they've been the best team when you exclude the games involving those three big teams. So in terms of points earned, they've won seven from 12. They're joint top with Man United, but they're clear on expected points uh, and they're top of the expected goals charts as well as MPXG and, and all the others as well. So, 
suddenly you think, well, actually, they've not been as bad as we might be led to believe. Obviously, they, uh, they sort of shoot themselves in the foot in games like Everton on Monday night, which holds you back a bit. But also, it kind of balances itself out because you look at Southampton coming into this weekend. Um, admittedly a Saints team I'm not getting the, the best read on this season but they're going into this weekend without both keepers uh, Fraser Forster and McCarthy are out so they've had to get in um, Willie Caballero 40 years old in on loan to to try and plug that gap they're missing Salasu who I think has been their player of the season at centre half yeah. Yeah. Mayo's been suspended as well um, Bednarek I believe is missing as well so you know, defence has definitely been their area of strength this season for Saints uh, going forward they are struggling to score goals or create opportunities fluently but defensively they've been pretty solid uh, you sort of take out the heart of that back line and suddenly there are a few issues as well so um, I think Arsenal will just do enough to win a narrow low scoring game but I think Arsenal to win under four and a half goals gives you that insurance pushes that price up from sub 1.7 to close to 1.9 and if you combine both teams Premier League games this season just two of uh, 30 games have featured five or more goals uh, that was Arsenal's defeats to City and United. So uh, I think we can be pre- pretty confident that uh, it'll be a relatively low scoring, but I'd back Arsenal to come out on top. Arsenal will be booking that open top bus anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, Chelsea have had an unusually tough few days, beaten in rather bizarre fashion at West Ham. What a goal from Masuaku. Fantastic. And then they <laughs> blew the lead twice in a potentially costly three-all draw at Zenit in the Champions League. Did not see that one coming. Uh, Emmett, Chelsea up against Leeds at Stamford Bridge. What have you got for us? Yes, I think b- b- both teams come, in, come, in, come into this game with pretty significant injury problems as we know Chelsea are missing their three best midfielders and, and ben, ben Chilwell has a long-term injury but I think Leeds will feel their injury and have more the, the injuries will have far more impact on Leeds than they will have on Chelsea last weekend centre-half Liam Cooper Liam Cooper went down Patrick Bamford possibly tweaked his hamstring with the celebration but it most significantly is that Cal- Calvin Phillips will, will be absent for this game yeah in, in the last two seasons Leeds have only picked up seven points from the 12 league games that Phillips has missed so and just to give you the averages that's so they, they, have, they have had 0. 0.5 0. 0.58 points per game without Phillips and 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 one point six six per game with Phillips. Obviously, bit of noise in that stat. Only a small sample size, but it does indicate how important he is. And any regular Leeds watcher will know with the numbers that Bielsa asks his team to commit forward and attack. Phillips is out, is asked to put out so many fires, and he does that. He does that with, with great success. They're also missing Robin Cock and Pascal Strike, who filled in in Phillips' kind of holding midfield position. So I just think Leeds are incredibly vulnerable here defensively. And with, with with Timo Werner and, and Lukaku getting on the score sheet during the week, I think I think I think Chelsea Chelsea could, could really blow them away here. I think I think minus one in the handicap of five to six makes some appeal. But if you're looking at the Chelsea to- team total goals over three and a half, Chelsea goals around seven to two, which I, I wouldn't put people off either. So I think a really comfortable Chelsea win most likely here. Uh, Leeds have struggled against the big hitters even when they've had a full-strength team, but they haven't had a full-strength team really at any stage this season. Now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? Well, let Dimitar Varbatov know. He's called Dimitar Berbatov, but we've used VAR to make his name into Dimitar Varbatov. It's wonderful stuff. So... Let Dimitar Varbatov know you could get your bet paid out. Send any examples of football injustice over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag VARBATOV and the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. 
Now, it's hard to assess the early days of Ralph Rangnick's reign at Manchester United, but it is an unbeaten start. The Red Devils go to Norwich on Saturday and they're the odds-on favourites. Stinch, what do you make of this one? I'm a bit controversial, Kev. Um, we know. We know. That's why we have you on. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little bored of this uh, Ranić loving. What? He's oh. revolutionising Manchester United. Even now, he's probably getting somebody to press. He's probably getting somebody to sprint at somebody. Right like, now. <laughs> like, if he's so amazing, what was he doing at Lokt- Lokomotiv Moscow as their sports and development manager? Well, to be fair to him, he has been more of a football administrator in the last decade or so. He's had a couple of spells as coach when he stepped in with Leipzig. But I think in terms of having a football brain and being able to get those ideas across to players, I think he is somebody who's capable of doing that. And I think a team and a club that was crying out for organisation, that was crying out for somebody who doesn't just ask the players to express themselves or kind of look dewy-eyed at, you know, pictures of Sir Alex Ferguson, I think, you know, it's probably going to help. So we'll see. But I do think Rangnick is is a, a man of intelligence when it comes to football who will make a, a tangible difference to that team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to flip completely on the other side now. Having said all of that, I'm going to embrace <laughs> the godfather of modern German football. The Rangnick given, ways. Yeah. Yes, given the odds available. Yes, yeah, so United are two to five. I'm not going to suggest anyone that should be back in United at two to five, um, but I'm happy to continue uh, opposing Norwich, basically. And I think given what we are likely to see from United based on the evidence of the first game, I'm happy to oppose Norwich with United's bat line, essentially. So I'm looking at um, Norwich not to score here at five to four because, yeah, I mean, Norwich have failed to score in 18 of the last 25 Premier League games. Um, and yeah, what you mentioned in terms of uh, Ranić, in terms of his pressing, uh, the, his first Premier League game against Palace, it was obvious what uh, what they were doing there. And and defensively, like they limited Palace to just eight shots, only three of those from were from open play, and just one inside the penalty area. And the expected goals totaled just 0.52. Um, but more more key, I would say, was the fact that United won possession back in the final third 12 times. Now, put that figure into context, only three teams have won it back more in the Premier League in a game this season. And it's the most United have done it in a Premier League match since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. So that just gives you, shows you a completely different side of, of United in the, how long's Ferguson been gone now? Eight years, I think. So, it shows how quickly he can get them to change. It, it won't be perfect, of course, but at least he's been able to flip that style almost immediately yeah definitely and against the Palace team I think we've been quite positive about the last few weeks I think we've been quite keen keen on what Patrick Vieira is uh, doing not necessarily with like an amazing set of players so I think yeah um, I think it was a good good barometer essentially against against that Palace side that have enjoyed success at United so to limit Palace um, in terms of chances and then to obviously 
winning the ball back. And if United have got the ball, it's impossible for the opposition to score uh, pretty much unless it's you know, through their own doing. Is uh, Yeah, I think is, is positive signs. And coming, coming up against the worst team in the league, I think it makes sense to try and get United on side. You could bat United win to nil at 6-4, to four, so it's a bit higher than that 5-4. to four. Um, But I'm happy just to, to concentrate on the 5-4 to four, just in case, you know, the United aren't completely fluid um, offensively. But just going back to Norwich, across those 25 games that I mentioned, they've scored just nine goals from 246 shots. So that's just one goal every 27 attempts. And it's it's no surprise, really, as they're only managing 10.7 per game, which is the lowest in the league. And, and almost half of those are coming from outside the area. So again, I think it just you can't put a number on confidence, but I think confidence for them is at a really low ebb. And I'm not sure Dean Smith is, is the right man that's going to get them out of this sort of funk that they find themselves in. Could anybody stinch? Because they're not very good. I mean, you look at that squad, Josh Sargent, Milot Rashica, we know all about. They couldn't stop Werder Bremen getting relegated in the Bundesliga. I mean, I know there are some promising young players there, but there's not a lot of quality going forward, is there really? I don't know, Ralph Ranić is he available? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, you got me there. What I'd say is like, we've seen what Sheffield United have achieved under Chris Wilder. You look where Brentford are in the league. Norwich have walked the championship the last two times they've been in. It shouldn't yeah. be the, the biggest ask for them to look to try to consolidate rather than continually finish bottom of the Premier League without much of a hope because I don't know what's wrong with it. I can't put my finger on it. But uh, yeah, I think someone can come in there and kind of engineer a better standard of performance from Norwich I can't put it all down to being Dean Smith not good enough but I don't know what it is anyway yeah we shall see as the season goes on. One of the great mysteries of life. Uh, let's dip down into the championship because Emmett you want to talk about Preston against Barnsley. Yeah so um, I guess this is more about Barnsley than it is about Preston. I think Preston are kind of a solid middle of the table championship team. They're sitting 18th in the championship at the moment and they're 14th on unexpected goal difference and they've been playing fairly well lately. They kind of they, they, they drew to Fulham at home, but but actually won the shot count. And their last game against Blackburn, who are going very well, as they kind of they lost narrowly, but again won the shot count. So they are playing reasonably well, but they're going to be playing far inferior opposition to to Blackburn and Fulham this weekend. They're uh, uh, playing at home to Barnsley. Barnsley, I think, are definitively the worst team in the Championship. They're last and expected goal difference, and they will be bottom of the table if not for Derby's Derby's points deductions. They've only taken four points from their ten away matches, and, and, including including zero wins. And g- given all those statistics, I thought we'd be looking at kind of maybe a four to six ish for Preston, and uh, and the current prices were in four to five, five to six. So I think that 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 looks like d- decent value to me. So that's that, that's the way I think. Uh, Barnsley uh, struggling at the moment. Now, uh, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. It's time to start our wander around the continent. Mark, you want to take us to Belgium, but none of this club Bruges or Anderlecht nonsense for you. You're looking at the real big hitters of the league. <laughs> 
Well, it's always come down to price, Kevin, and that's what's led me to the game between Santru Dan and Circle Bruges. Uh, Santru Dan a low mid-table, Circle Bruges a second from bottom. Uh, They always tend to be battling relegation traditionally, and their their city rivals always challenging for the title. But yeah, I think Belgium's been one of the more underrated leagues if you're looking for goals-based bets, and the league's averaging 3.06 goals um, through 17 rounds of action. 59% of the games have gone over. 61% have seen both teams scoring. Um, we've got both teams to score here at 1.8 to 1.85 um, around that barometer anyway. And uh, basically the, the market is saying there's around 54% chance of both teams scoring in this game. And I tend to disagree with that. I believe that the, the prospect of both teams scoring is much closer to the league average um, because Circle Bruges are in a false position. Um, if you look a little bit deeper beyond the results in terms of basic expected goals, supremacy figures, they have been performing like a top six team. Uh, unbelievably, despite their position they're averaging 0.45 xg more than their opponents per game and their performances away from home are even better than that as well so they picked up 11 of their 17 points away they've scored in all eight away games and form over the last four to eight game splits have put them up there with the very best in the league as well so they're going very well just look at their last four outputs in terms of xg 2.46 1.72 3.4 and uh, 3.24 so really strong offensive game from Circle Bruce the problem is they can't defend just two clean sheets all season and they come up against uh, a St. Trudan team who admittedly are pretty poor on home soil five defeats and nine but uh, they score goals and they score quite freely too they've only failed to score three times all season uh, if you look at the both teams to score uh, hit rates 71% for Circle Bruges, 65 for San Trudan. Uh, however, at home, eight of nine for Trudan have seen BTTS. Six of Circles, eight away have also seen BTTS. And collectively, these two teams have scored in 28 of 34 league games this season. So, um, again, I go back to the, the odds, which suggest there's about a 54% chance of both teams scoring. The league average is at 61%. And we've got two teams here who know where the back of the net is as well. And we'll both see this as a winnable opportunity. So, it's a very congested league table in Belgium I think two wins puts Circle Bruges back into the top half so uh, I wouldn't be put off by their league record I'd look much more beyond that and look at their underlying data metrics which are very strong I never thought I'd be excited about watching Sintruden against Circle Bruges but I think I am now I think I might try and check that one out uh, to Germany and the Champions Bayern in fine form won the Classica last weekend they wiped the floor with Barcelona um, in midweek in the Champions League Barcelona failing to qualify for the last 16 but they take on their kryptonite this weekend they take on Bo Svensson's Mainz uh, Stinch Mainz have actually caused Bayern a few problems in the past admittedly made mainly at home, away from home, they don't do so well against the big hitters, but both Svensson's got a team there that is a lot harder to beat than it was and now packs a punch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I want to throw a quick, uh, quick quiz question out there, Kev. Okay. Where do you think Mainz are in the expected points table? Ooh, I reckon fifth. Fifth. Any, any, uh, any more raises on fifth? I think they're sort of top four, are they? Emmett, go on. Yeah, no, no, no clue. I, 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 I'd guess sixth. Second. Wow. Are they really? Second. Wow. So it just goes to show, yeah. I mean, I've, I think me and you, Kev, early days, we've been 
banging the Bose Venson drum ever yeah. since he took over in January. He did a fantastic job with uh, negotiating Mainz. I think they were second from bottom when he took over. Looked looked really in trouble. They just lost uh, Mateta, who was their, their main goal scorer. Um, so I was envisaging them to be going down to Bundesliga too. And he's done, a, he's done an absolutely phenomenal job. And he only seems to be getting better. Um, no surprise to see him linked with the, with the Leipzig job. Um, but also quite refreshing. It looks like he's going to stay with Mainz and continue that project. Yeah. So. And he's been very clear on that as well. He's, he's said a few times in interviews that he's here for the long term. He sees it as a project and that he's not going to run out on them. So that was quite impressive to see that because he's effectively, I don't think Leipzig made an official approach, but I think he'd made it quite clear that he wouldn't take that job. Yeah, and he, you know he's got he's a man of morals, I think, and uh, it's it's nice to see in in modern day football. So yeah, Bayern v Mainz, I think it should be it should be a nice game to be honest. Um, Bayern a one to five, um, potentially a little bit short given how much we just talked up Mainz there, but uh, I don't think anybody ever really wants to go into a, a bet opposing opposing Bayern. So uh, I'm looking at Bayern to win and both teams to score here at 11 to 10. You know, so that's nearly a unit boost on on the Bayern win. I don't think there'd be anyone out there really backing Bayern win to nil. Uh, under Nagelsmann in the Bundesliga, it's just four clean sheets and 14 for Bayern. And, uh, you know, it's not as if Mainz struggle when they play Bayern either. They scored in five of their last six meetings, so it won't hold any fear for them. Actually, in the reverse fixture at the back end of last season, Mainz actually beat Bayern 2-1. Uh, I'm not suggesting they're going to go to the Allianz and win, but as I say, they certainly can go toe-to-toe for them, in my opinion. Um, but ultimately, you know, there is that big golfing class, and I do think the better team... You know, as it, you know, it's just logical, really. The better team should outscore the, the lesser team, essentially. Um, but yeah, as I say, Mainz second in, in the Bundesliga on expected points. And I think the beauty of that is, is at the beginning of the season, I think the first, maybe at least two games, maybe three games, there are a number of players missing through COVID issues. Yeah. So it just goes to show how good that sort of Mainz system and processes that other players can step in and do the job that's being asked of them so yeah huge Bose Fenson fan and I think he'll go to the Alliance and give give Bayern a game and uh, Bayern will be pleased if they can get out of it with, with a win and uh, yeah Bayern to win and both teams to score and I think what backs that even more Stinch is that if you look at the Mainz front too if you look at Jonas Amburkart and Kari Monisivo who've been a really good pairing actually this season both really really quick and that high Bayern line you could see them running in behind and causing some problems. So I think that's a great bet. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a feature so famous that music superstar and House of Gucci actress Lady Gaga may or may not have got a tattoo saying, I'm Gaga for a treble. That may or may not have happened. Uh, Just for the lawyers, it didn't happen. It definitely didn't happen. How this works is we get my three wise men to come up with a selection each and lovely traders like Emmett wrap it up in a boosted treble. Emmett, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, well, I think the it's the, the selection is Newcastle winner, draw, double chance. 
And again, I think this is this is more nearly more about Leicester than it is about Newcastle. Leicester, like I, I kind of keep, I, I kind of I, I backed them for top six before the season, close to even money. I thought I think this I thought they were close to a banker, and I'll keep waiting for them to turn around, but they just aren't. They've lost each of their last five matches and expected goals. I think Jamie Vardy's showing I think clear clear signs of decline, and Brendan Rodgers Rogers is probably watching his dream of managing one of the top Premier League top six Premier League clubs slip through his fingers. I think they're like they're fourteenth in the XG G table. They're a very mediocre team, and and I don't think they've shown nearly enough this season to be to be as short as they are uh, at home to Newcastle. Newcastle have looked a better team under Eddie Howe so far. They've been far more competitive than under Steve Bruce and will carry serious threat in the counter-attack with Callum Wilson, uh, a, a revitalised Joe Linton and and Alan say Maximan. So I think yeah, Newcastle winner draw, double chance at over even money makes plenty of appeal to me. And we're going to talk about that game in even more detail on Sunday's show. So make sure you check that one out. Next, I'm going to go for Mark O'Hare. Um, tough card this weekend in the Premier League. I'm going to take I'm going to take Arsenal. I've put them up already. Um, I know many people will turn their nose up at it, but uh, I think the, the long-term stats are definitely in their favour to win that match, considering Southampton's absentees. And Stinch. I'm going to juice it up a little bit by going for under three and a half goals in Liverpool v Villa because that's four to five. So that's the competitive line there rather than the usual 2.5. I think we've discussed already that we, we see it, Villa giving Liverpool a game and not allowing a lot of space for Liverpool to probe and um, and get in behind them. And I think on the flip side, that might mean that Villa are a little bit more defensive. And I think Gerard will want to go there and keep things as tight as possible. And, and back in under three and a half, you still got Liverpool 3-0, Liverpool 2-1 on your side. So yeah, four to five, I think I think that's decent enough. Um, just wanted to quickly, one more Kev, because Mark mentioned uh, Belgium. Just wanted to throw an extra Belgium bet in there. Go while, for it. While yes. you're perusing the coupon. Yeah, um, Club Bruges, I know you, you didn't maybe didn't want to touch on them, but um, they're playing uh, Zulta Varagem on uh, Sunday, and uh, I thought it was really telling that Minulay was basically crying after the PSG game because the eighth game in a row he's conceded at least two goals, and uh, Zulta Varagem have got two of the best Belgian strikers in the league in terms of goals in Yelavossen and uh, Gano. Uh, I think his first name Zeno Zeno Gano. They've got 21 goals between them already this season. We're only in December. You can get over 1.5 Zulta Varagem goals at seven to two and I think that's quite juicy against a very porous Bruges backline. That's definitely one to watch. Never, ever going to say no to an extra Belgian bet being thrown into the mix. That's sadly, though, all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other shows, by the way, to keep an eye on. We've got Cricket Only Better, the Ashes going on at the moment for as long as that lasts, of course. Uh, then we've got <laughs> NFL Only Better as well. And a couple of racing shows, the Wade In Podcast and Racing Only Better from Emmett, Mark, Stinch and me. It's goodbye for now.